So I went to Malaysia for my honeymoon. This is two and a half, three years ago now. And I've never flown first class, I've never flown business class, I've never flown premium economy. And that did not change, <laughs> just because it was my honeymoon. We, we had a red-eye flight on Jetstar to, to Penang the Monday morning, we got married on Saturday, um, went to NGV on the Sunday, had brunch at my insistence on the Sunday, good way to start a marriage, like we must go out for brunch. Um, and then Monday morning, we got on a, a red-eye flight to, to Penang. And it was really nice to find out that we were seated in row four. Row four was the front row of the section we were in. I believe maybe rows one, two, and three were, were first class, something like that. Um, so we were at the very front of our section, and we had extra leg room, and it felt, it felt like we had extra padding. And we were seated next to someone who was in it like a Jetstar um, outfit. Like, we have extra legroom, extra padding. There's someone who works for Jetstar next to us. Are we in premium economy? Are we in business? Are we getting food? That was the question. I'd already eaten all the sandwiches at the, um, at the, the airport, so we were going to be hungry for the flight. And the lady next to us heard us wondering these things and confirmed the worst. There's nothing special about these seats, guys. You're not getting food. This is just everyday economy. Um, it would have been nice, but it wasn't to be. The, the point is, the seats that you're in on a plane comes with blessings or curses. You know, the seat you're in on a plane can have some real perks or some real problems. If you're seated in first class, you're loving life. I remember that scene in Crazy Rich Asians. Constance Wu gets on the, the plane with Henry Golding and she's like, whoa, what is going on? You're richer than I thought you were. She's loving it. You know, we were having dinner with friends this week. Um, let's call them Aaron and Jules. That, that's actually their name, so that's why I'm calling them that. Um, and Jules grew up as a family friend of Mumford and Sons. Um, and that's one of my favourite... Um, bits of trivia about her. There are other good things about her, but that's, that's one of my favourites. Um, and so back when Mumford and Sons were good, um, and they were good, like I love, you know, little lion man, I will wait, bring it on. When they'd come to Melbourne, Jules and Aaron would not just get free tickets, they would get the best seats. They would get the seats that came with the backstage, backstage pass with all the perks. You know, and, and they got those hits because they were with Marcus Mumford, because Jules had grown up as a, as a friend of, of Marcus Mumford. And so, so when she goes to the concert, they say, who are you? She doesn't say, my name's Jules. She says, I'm with Marcus. She doesn't say, we're Aaron and Jules, we've got tickets. She goes, we're with Mumford. We're with, we're with him. We're with Marcus Mumford. And when we're with him, when we're with Christ... When we're seated with him, we have access to what he has access to. We go where he goes. We're new people. We're with him. And so Jesus went from death to life to being raised and reigning. And so we too go from death to life to being raised and reigning. And, and the story of, of these ten verses, is, is the journey from, from sin to save to seated with Christ. 
or from dead to resurrected to raised with Christ. Because we go where he goes. The journey of the Christian in so many ways imitates Jesus because he's actually taken us with him. We're with him. So I want to call this talk Saved and Seated. Um, By his grace, through faith, we are saved and seated with Christ. No matter what your situation is yesterday, no matter what your circumstances were this week, by the grace of God, if you have faith in him, you are saved and seated with Christ. Even though we're stuck in sin, we've been saved and seated with Christ. You know, Paul paints a very bleak picture of how stuck in sin we were. So look with me, I've actually got on the screen today, Ephesians 2, verses 1 and 2 and 3. It's pretty intense. And to understand um, this passage, we need to recognise, and to understand Ephesians, we need to recognise that the biblical imagination reckons there's more than one dimension. There's more than one realm. There's what's going on in front of us, what we can touch, what we can can feel. And then there's also another dimension. Ephesians often calls it the heavenly realms, which is up there, but it's also in here. The heavenly realms is where we have every spiritual blessing, which we saw last week. The heavenly realms is where Christ has been seated and is reigning as Lord. And yet the heavenly realms is also where the powers and principalities are at work. There's darkness and there's light. And like I said, the the heavenly realms are up there, but they're also very much, they're not just away from us, they're actually also very close to us. The stuff we can't explain is often connected to this realm. One famous writer, um, Alexander Solzenstein, he wrote this, The line separating good and evil passes not through states, nor between classes, nor between political parties, but right through every human heart and through all human hearts. I think sin makes sense in this world. You know, I heard something about the reason we're not so into Katy Perry anymore and we're more into Billie Eilish is because everything's not just like a teenage dream. We we can see in our society at the moment that there are a lot of bad guys. That there's, there's a lot of darkness and sin makes sense. We're exposed to a lot of the evils that humankind are capable of. And yet I think it's easier to spot sin in someone else than it is in ourselves. Or easier to blame evil on things like class and politics and systems, which is true But Paul says it's in all of us as well. His diagnosis of the human condition is that we're stuck in sin, that we're dead. He says, everyone was enslaved to sin. He says, um, if you notice, he says you, and when he says you, it means Gentiles, and then he says we, it means Jews, and then he says us in verse 3 actually, like the rest. And so he's saying this is everyone says you are dead in your transgressions and sins. Now transgressions, if you pass it out, transgressions is when you screw up and sins is when you miss the mark. So it's both when you like do something really bad and when you don't 
do something good at all. Transgressions and sins is that which you do and that which you fail to do. Sins of commission and omission, passive and active. He says we're all dead. And he says dead because when you're dead to the creator of the world, when you don't have a relationship with him, you're dead in the heart. You're the walking dead. You can still be like, you can still be walking around, but you're dead. And he says your sin is because you are enslaved to the world, the flesh, and the devil. The world, the flesh, and the devil is um, the three categories that the the early or the, the sort of the church in the second, third, and fourth centuries gave some of this stuff. Because he says, if we look at it, he says you followed the ways of this world. You used to live following the ruler of the kingdom of the air. All of us lived gratifying the cravings of our flesh and following its desires and thoughts. So sin is crouching from inside of us, our flesh. Sin is crouching around us, the world. And sin is coming from beyond us, from from the devil. It's a pretty messy situation. And yet Paul says, if you look at the end of this verse, verse 3, that this is our nature, which is a really complex and controversial, actually, doctrine. But the idea that we actually are all by nature sinful. When Paul um, talks about this in other writings, it seems to what he's saying is that we actually inherited the sin of Adam Our father is Adam and as humans we inherited Adam and Eve's sin and the only way that can change is if we actually, our bloodline switches to that of Christ and we actually come out from under Adam and come under Christ. It says, by nature we were deserving of wrath. And wrath is actually good because God is love and love is to will the good of another. And God hates evil, and so he desires to destroy it. He wants to get rid of evil. And so, because of evil, because of sin, we were by nature deserving of wrath. Happy Sunday. Let's get the cake out now. There's more though. But before that, I just want to give a testimony of how I've, I've dealt with this, this sort of doctrine and this issue, because I think it's it might relate. For so long, if I'm honest, I found this idea really hard to come to terms with. You know, I didn't want the diagnosis to be true because I like things to be positive. I'm from the Katy Perry generation. And like, honestly, I, like, like Australian men, we're prone to ignore our health issues. We're prone to say, ignorance is bliss, don't worry about it, I'm sure it'll be fine, let's look the other way. And I can be a bit like that, that I just want to focus on the positives, reframe things, keep them positive. But you need an accurate diagnosis to get healthy. You need a good diagnosis for a thorough remedy, for successful surgery. You need a good diagnosis to save someone's life often. And Paul says we were dead. And so ignorance is not bliss when you're dead. 
And so over the, the past few years, I've been sort of wrestling with this and, and working it out. And, and, you know, about two and a half years ago, I got married and that exposes a heap of sin. You know, all this stuff that you just thought was like normal and your selfishness. Actually, it turns out your flesh can be sinful and someone else calls it out. Um, and, and God made humans in the image of God, and that's a really beautiful part. Like we, are, we have this really inherent identity and dignity and creativity, and there's so much goodness in how we're created. But there's the other bit because of the fall that's also true of us, that we're stuck in sin. And, and this really hit home for me. We were um, in America last year, at the start of last year, and we are on a bus um, back to... LA airport from, from Los Angeles City and this guy was, was crazy and he was going on this rant about all this crazy stuff and I said to Jess, as like this super positive guy, I said, I'm so glad we're here to witness this because I thought it was funny and then he kept ranting and ranting and ranting until it got like pretty dangerous, the stuff he was saying. And I was like, this is America. Like, this stuff could actually happen. Like, what are you saying about wanting to kill people? And, and we actually had to get off the bus. Even though we were on the way to the airport, we needed to get there. We had to get off the bus because this was getting dangerous. And I just got off the bus, all the threats he was making, and I just broke down and was like, I started crying. Like, how did I possibly say that was funny and that was cool to witness that? Like, that was evil. Evil exists, and yet I was foolish enough, naive enough to think everything's all good, everything's fun, everything's funny. When we fail to see sin for what it really is, it can come at a cost. Sin is the accurate diagnosis of the human condition. It's, it's pervasive, it's poisonous, it enslaves us all. It's a rejection of God and it separates us from him, and it's an embrace of the world, the flesh and the devil. But, verse 4, but, you know, the Bible can be a lot of fun to read. The Bible can be a lot of fun to read because you've got to look for the buts, you know, and that is, that's, a fun, that's a funny thing to do, look for the buts, because when you look for the buts, you see that something shifts. When you look for the buts, it's like on a reality TV show where they go, Joanne, you're a good singer, but... I'm sorry, you're not, you're not going to Sydney. Or, you know, on a reality TV show where they go, Suzanne, your plating up could do with a bit more work, but this is the most delicious crock and bush I've ever had. <laughs> you're through to the, the pressure test. You know, when Paul says, but, something shifts. And Paul says, but, because of his great love for us. The diagnosis was intense. But because of his great love for us, God, who is rich in mercy, made us alive with Christ. Grace is a gift which you don't deserve. Mercy is when you don't get what you did deserve. Grace is something free. Mercy is getting out of something that, that you deserved. And God is rich in mercy. He's got more mercy in the bank than the richest man in the world. He has great love for us. And because of his great love for us, God, who is rich in mercy, 
made us alive with Christ, even when we were dead. He revived us. He saved us. He resurrected us with Christ. We were dead and he made us alive. Christ has died. Now Christ has risen and we're with him. It's by grace you have been saved. He says it's by grace you have been saved. And yet we're not just resurrected. We're not just saved. We're seated with Christ. The creed that we read before says, On the third day he rose from the dead, he ascended to heaven and is seated at the right hand of the Father Almighty. God raised us up with Christ and seated us with him in the heavenly realms in Christ Jesus. We're with him. We're with him in his death, in his resurrection, and and seated in the heavenly realms with Christ Jesus. We get to sit with Jesus where he is. We get to be where he is. No matter what our circumstances, no matter what our situation, we are seated with Christ. You know, when we're in Christ, this language of in Christ keeps coming up. When we're in Christ, we go where he goes. Because like when I'm in my car, I go where the car goes. Otherwise, things get getting very messy. <laughs> right, I, saw a, I was on the Eastern Freeway this morning um, and I saw a, a dog sticking like half its body out the window at 100 kilometres an hour. And the owner was like wound up the window. The dog was loving it. But it was a bit much because you want to be in the car to go where the car goes. Because if the dog was not in the car, it would have got very messy. And the, the way I get from my home to church, unless I ride my bike, which I always think of doing, but only end up doing like once every two months, is I get in the car, the car goes to church, and then I'm here. Because when we're in the car, we go where the car goes. And when we're in Christ, we go where he goes. Our sin meant we were dead but Jesus went there. Jesus took on death and then he, he picked us up and he said, come, enter the resurrection. He gave us his resurrection. He took our death. He gave us his resurrection and we're made alive with him. And then, and this is what we forget sometimes because Easter, Easter is all about the death and resurrection of Christ, which is the centre of the gospel story. But we, we don't sleep on the ascension. Don't sleep on that Jesus died, was resurrected and was raised and reigns. And that's actually where we are with him. You're not just seated on a chair. You're seated in the air. We go where he goes. We're seated in the heavenlies. So you might think you're too sinful to be a friend of God. But you're not too sinful because you're with Jesus. You might think that you've got too many bad habits to be a friend of God, but you're seated with Jesus. You might think that you're too full of shame to be a friend of God, but you're seated with Jesus. You might think that you've stuffed up too many times, that you haven't prayed enough, that you haven't done enough devotions. You're seated with Jesus. That is where you're seated by grace. He's going to say in a minute, not by work. By grace you have been saved, through faith. And this is not from yourselves, it is the gift of God, not by works so that no one can boast. This means that it's grace all the way down, that that nothing you did, 
that nothing from you made this happen. You are seated with Christ. You are saved by Christ, by grace, through faith. Even faith is a gift. Even faith is the grace of God. He enables us to have faith. And so you can be a Christian. You can be the most mature Christian. You can be like such a mature Christian that you've got a walking stick. You, you, can, be, you can have prayed every day for the last 1,500 days. What's that, like five years, four, four, four years? You could have prayed every day or you could be really struggling to pray. You could be really struggling to pray. You could be struggling to get through today, even in church. You just hope to get through, to, through tomorrow. And yet you're both seated with Christ. We're all in the same seat. The challenge for all of us is to sit down. You know, so often I think... We're looking for a new seat. We want, we want to find, is there a better seat? Is there somewhere else I can sit that has more earthly perks? Can I get, can I get an upgrade? Boy, I'd like an upgrade. Or if we're not trying to sit in a different seat or the wrong seat, we're so restless that we never sit down because there's so many things to do, we never sit. But you're saved and seated with Christ, so sit down. Now, there's an an encouragement and a challenge to this that we're all seated with Christ through faith. If we're all seated with Christ, if everyone who is in him through faith by grace is seated with Christ, then no one is in a better seat than anyone else. Because so much of this world says get a better seat, get a better seat at the table, find a better place, get better status, but no one can get a better seat when we've been seated with Christ. No one is higher than you and yet no one is lower than you. No one is more significant than us and no one is less significant than us. No one has power over us to tell us who we are that God doesn't say and yet no one below us, we have the right to do that to either. Which means our work is also all significant. Like just because I speak into a microphone doesn't make your words any less significant than mine because we're both seated with Christ. Your words, your kindness, your thoughtfulness, your generosity, your patience, your love, your long-suffering, your good works are all so significant and so is everyone else's. For we are God's handiwork, verse 10, created in Christ Jesus to do good works which God prepared in advance for us to do. We've all got good works to do. Do we we get to Jesus through our works? No, we don't. But because of grace, we do do good works. Because of grace, we have good works which God has prepared for us to do. Some of us, that will be in the space of church, but many of us, that will be in the space of, of public health and in the space of, of even just public service, even just helping people in your tedious job that feels mundane and like it doesn't really matter. You're actually being kind to every person you serve. You're actually being helpful. You're actually helping our society flourish. We all have good works to do. We are God's handiwork. So my prayer is that you become aware 
that you're not just seated in a chair, but that you're seated with Christ. And I pray with Paul, what he prayed just before this, that you might become more and more aware of this, that the eyes of your heart might be enlightened to this, that you don't have to run around relentlessly because you're seated with Christ. You don't have to try and climb and find a better seat at the table, closer to the cool kids. You're seated with Christ. You've already got the best seat in the house. And because of grace, from grace, as an overflow of grace, you have good works to do. You have people to serve, you have kindness to share, generosity to give and hospitality to show. So may you grow and discover the depths of all he has for you, the riches of your inheritance, the power of his name and the salvation of the seat that you're in. You have been saved and seated with Christ. Let's stand up and we're going to pray. Heavenly Father, I I confess that I know this truth and yet I still reckon there are seats at the table which are better than others and I would like to be in them. And I look up to some people and think, you are in a good seat. I want... I want what you've got or I want to learn from you. And there are other people that I think, yeah, you're in, you're in just everyday economy. And I just pray, even for me right now and for all of us, that we would, we would, our, our hearts would know the depths of the truth of us all being seated with Christ through faith by grace that we've been saved and seated. I pray you just make that really ring true to our hearts now, God, because I think this is, this is some like simple gospel stuff in many ways and, and many of us have been in church a lot and, and have heard these words before, but I just pray that you make them ring true to our hearts right now, Lord. Let's just sit down now. And I'm just going to sit down. And we just sit, Lord, and just close our eyes. And I just pray that we would know the joy and the, the riches and the power of the position that we're in. Seated with Christ. Saved from sin. As we sit down and just sit down in your embrace, Jesus, and sit down 
in what you've done for us by grace. We get ready to stand up and to walk and to do good works. Not for grace, but from grace. Not so we get God, but because of who you are. And so we just stand up now even again, God, and sort of with our bodies say, send us into our Mondays and Tuesdays and Wednesdays. And if you want, you can even just walk on the spot. Like, send us to do good works in the world, God. Send us from the position you've had us in to to do good works in the world to the praise of your glorious grace. Amen.